Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour. I have a special guest. We're going to talk a lot of good Chico business, uh, interesting things that I know you're going to find very informative. I wanted to start off today with just my little monologue. I heard about a report that came out from Johns Hopkins University, which is a big medical school, and then I heard they retracted it. So I figured, you know what? If somebody retracted a story, that's a story I want to I want to read. I want to find out what they retracted. So this story is about a controversial report about called uh, I'm sorry, titled COVID-19 deaths a look at US data which was hosted by the university's Krieger School of Arts and Sciences, where this author named Briand is assistant program director of the Applied Economics Master's Degree Program. She argued the significance of COVID-19 on U.S. deaths can be fully understood only through comparison to the number of total deaths in the country. She examined the total deaths in each age group and the cause of death in her analysis. Surprisingly, the deaths of older people stayed the same before and after COVID-19, she found. Since COVID-19 mainly affects the elderly, experts expected an increase in the percentage of deaths in older age groups, but no such increase was seen in the CDC data. These data analyses suggested, in contrast to most people's assumptions, the numbers of death by COVID-19 is not alarming. In fact, it is relatively it has relatively no effect on deaths in the United States, the report said. This comes as a shock to many people. How is it that the data lie so far from our perception? The decision to detract the to retract the article was made independently. And then they go on to explain why they retracted it, uh, acting like this is not a medical professional nor disease researcher. researcher. But uh, I encourage you to read this article because um, I, for one, am not convinced that the world economy should be stopped due to something that isn't even killing people any more than anything else does. So I just wanted to lead off with that because I know with all of my preachings lately about the late the current economy and some of my clients woes and the trouble they're going through i just wanted to share a little bit more information about this whole uh, virus thing because it seems to be getting worse in the perception side but not worse in the death side so i think you could look that up called johns hopkins retracts and you'll find that article um it was posted four days ago so it was right around the uh thanksgiving time Okay, I promised you a guest today. We're going to talk Chico business. In particular, we're going to talk Chico real estate. And my guest is Becky Williams. She's a over 20 years experienced agent with Keller Williams here in Chico. And uh, she is one of the leading realtors in the area. I've known her for quite a while. I, I don't work with her too closely all the time, but lately we have a mutual client. So I've been able to uh, get in touch with her again. And, uh, I asked her to come on the show because there's a lot of things everybody should know about the Chico real estate right now, whether you're a buyer, seller, a holder, or someone thinking about realty. So I'm glad Becky's here to help us because she's definitely an expert. So uh, how are you, Becky? I'm good. Thank you. It's nice to be back. No, nice nice to see you. And uh, I know I've seen you on television too. You do Channel 12 now and then. Uh, yes. Interviews and things. That's... Debbie Cobb interviews me. Oh, great. Yeah, she and now she's been around a long time. She's been around a long yeah. time. Love her. <laughs> yeah, she's great. So, um, you know, just generally, what what's the Chico real estate market like? I think it's kind of hot, but could you kind of describe how good it is right now, or good for sellers, good for buyers, or what's going on? It's an excellent market for sellers. I uh, we have currently in Chico a hundred and ten properties available for sale. And we currently have 163 properties in escrow. So we're selling about 163 properties per month. And if we stopped listing properties, we'd be out of business in less than three weeks. Wow. 
So the average escrow is usually, once it's in escrow, maybe 30 days 30 is days. the average. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Prices might rise with that low of an inventory? Is that what could with happen? The, with the demand, you typically have prices go up because if you have more than one buyer on a property and with so little to choose from, when someone finds a property that they like, they, they want it. And interest rates are so low right now. People can afford a much higher mortgage payment. Right, right. And that's the key. And uh, I know that I think the Federal Reserve came out and said they won't raise rates for at least two or three years. So I think everybody's pretty, you know, pretty happy with jumping in now and trying mm-hmm. to get a house if they don't already have one. Yeah. Or to move up or to refinance. And uh, so... Let's just say somebody is young, a young person here listening or just somebody who's finally ready to buy their first house. They may have never dealt with a realtor before as a you know professional mm-hmm. realtor that they mm-hmm. needed. So what could you give us some tips about how somebody could look for the right realtor to make sure they're getting a, a really qualified one? Boy, that's, that's really a good question because so often people – they meet a real estate agent and go, oh, she was so nice. I really liked her. But they don't know how long that agent's been in real estate. Um, and they don't know how many transactions that realtor does every year. Um, the average agent does between five and ten transactions a year. And that's if they stay in business. Well, if you're doing working with 10 transactions, and let's say half of them are listings, your agent is listing five homes a year, how, how, how much expertise can you develop doing something five times a year? Right. So that's a great question to ask your real estate agents. How many homes do you list a year? How long have you lived in my neighborhood, in my town? And how long have you been in business? Because that all adds up. Um, for example, I've been doing it for 20 years. And over the last three years, I've done around 50 transactions a year. Well, you think of an agent is only doing five to 10 a year. It's going to take them years to see that many transactions. And when you're seeing that many transactions, you understand the market what it's doing, and you respond immediately to it. And that's really important. Right. And you also see all the little twists that come up. So you, if something weird comes up in somebody's first house purchase, mm-hmm. you've probably seen, you've, you've seen it before with all the transactions you've done. Yes. I would guess. I'm, I'm still learning. Right. Every, every there's transaction, always weird. <laughs> there's always something. But you're more prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now as far as commissions, I know it's sort of a standardized, everybody assumes it's always 5 or 6%, but then there's people who try to try to act like they could save people commissions, but that's not necessarily the smart way to go. And you, you've heard about that, right? Where people well, advertise low rates, but then they don't always deliver the rest of the, of the deal. You know, it's, it's always great to save money, and I'm I'm a saver. I I just I just like saving money. It makes me feel good. That's smart. Um, but it it's kind of like parking your car on the curb and going. Someone's going to drive by and make me an offer. If they'd advertised in Auto Trader, they might have three offers. And it's the same thing with real estate. If you list with an agent that does their job. I can guarantee you, I will get you top dollar for your house. And I will show you the results of my advertising so you know that you're getting top dollar. You can list with a lot of agents. And a lot of agents will be able to sell your house. But you'll lose a lot more than a few thousand dollars that you think you've saved by not paying them a full commission. Spend your money wisely. Let your agent do their job. Let them offer a good commission to the buyer's agent. So when that buyer's agent comes to the table, they want their client 
to get that house. Right. Rather than, eh, we're getting a reduced commission. We'll find something else if this doesn't work out. Right. So that's super important. And I think that's kind of hit hits a nerve with me these days because on TV there's this ad out there and it's like these families are going, we saved thousands of dollars on commission and we had an experienced agent. They don't say anything about the marketing plan. How did they market your home? How did you feel about the sale, about the price that you got? How did you know it was the best price? Because that seems to be a little bit of an enigma for a lot of people. But if you have an agent that's got a marketing plan and they show it to you and they can give you proof of that exposure, you know you've got a good agent. That's really that's really smart. Because in a in a market where house prices are high now, uh, a small difference could could amount to twenty thousand dollars. I mean, Easily. between four twenty and four forty, and yeah, to to try to save three or four thousand on commissions is not the smartest move. That's minimal when you're thinking what you're selling your house for. Right. It really is, but right. it can amount to tens of thousands. Right. In the value of your home. Right. I just I just had a property. Um, it was listed in the nine hundred thousands. And she took my advice. She listened to everything I said. I did the marketing. I told her I was going to. And we got her almost 50000 over asking price. Wow. Yeah, because you're, well, someone with the experience you have knows how to do that. And I'm paying for the advertising. Right. I'm doing the job. Right. It's important. Now, uh, of the 50 transactions you do in a normal year, how many of those are your listings and how many of those you're helping the buyer and someone else listed? I was just, I'm always curious about that. So I have a real estate team. After doing real estate for 20 years, I wanted to specialize. And so I have two buyer's agent that specialize working with buyers. And I focus on working with sellers oh. and marketing so last year or this year so far, I've worked with just six buyers. Oh, once in so a while, you're like a specialist now as a seller's agent, as a listing agent, right? Correct. Now, do you still run into that thing where both sides end up using you, and you sign the thing where I represent both of you? You do that too. When you're listing a house, do you also represent the buyer sometimes? With. <laughs> With a lot of clarity. Doesn't sound like you like that idea that. too much. I would much rather have one of my buyer's agents represent the buyer. Right. All the way around. Right. But once in a while, I there's a buyer where there's a relationship there. And they, they really just want to work with me because of that. But if if they want to purchase one of my listings, I just tell them, you will get much better personal attention and representation and advice if you have your own realtor. Yeah. It's just like going through a divorce. You don't want to use the same attorney. Right. You want to have someone that's on your side. Yeah. And that's how it is with real estate. Yeah. That kind of, that, that makes a lot of sense because when you're dealing with these large numbers and, you know, it could be like the, the family nest egg is this house sale. So it's, yep. it's important to get the largest amount possible. And that's but what I'm again, fighting for. Right. And then the buyer's agents got to try to get it for as low as they can get it. Get the best deal for their buyer. Right. Yeah. That, what's fair is fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. Well, 20 years of experience, you've probably seen just, I'm imagining you've seen just about everything, but um, you do specialize, do you specialize in residential? Is that sort of your field yeah. or? Yeah, absolutely. Um. There are very few agents that work with rentals and we don't. It's just we don't we don't have we're not we don't have the information available on what properties rent for. And I right. don't I don't go into commercial. Yeah. That's another ball game. Right. And that's a good idea to, you know, like you've done, you've picked the specialty where you know you're good at it and you're doing a good job. Don't try to take on everybody who walks through the door. I'm I'm and that way it. with my tax practice. <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally recently just started saying no a lot more often, and it sure feels good. 
Yeah, we can now do what we love. Right. We get yeah. to a certain age where it's like, you know what? This is my business, not theirs. So we're coming up on that first break. We'll be right back with Becky Williams. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just the number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8:36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Attention KKXX listeners, be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's home for Christian talk, KKXX 930. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm here talking with Becky Williams uh, from Keller Williams Realty. She has a whole team, so if you uh, if you are in the need of a good uh, realtor, why don't we can we give out your phone number that I have, Becky? Is that a good one? As long as it's the right one, the six three six one. That's it. Okay, <laughs> so I'll just give you this now, and we'll do it again at the end of the show. But Becky Williams. Uh, can be reached at 530-636-0936. And like she was saying, she represents sellers uh, mostly as her specialty. So if you're going to try to get that top dollar, you might want to give her a call before you randomly uh, pick a realtor out of the phone book. So one of the topics for me is I've occasionally have to help my clients look up like the value of their house and things like that. So I go to like four different places. I go to Zillow, I go to Redfin, I go to Realtor, and there's one other one I look at. And I've noticed that certain ones are always real high, and a couple of them are always real low. Can you tell us, what's your opinion of some of these values people look up on Zillow or places like that? Because I end up taking an average and say, maybe mm -hmm. this, this might be right. Of course, for me, I'm just doing it as a guide. I'm not basing somebody's sale on anything. Right. But right. I always tell them to find a realtor when it's time to really know what it's worth. And right. that's what you're for. But <laughs> what's your opinion when you look up Zillow and it says 400, but then realtor or Redfin says 320? What do you think of that? Well, they're all pulling data from different areas and they all pull it a different way. Um, when, when a realtor pulls properties that are similar. We have certain criteria that we try not to stray too far from. For example, it has to be within half a mile. Well, in this market, that can be kind of tough to do. Because there aren't that many selling. No, right. no. But the thing I ask people that come to me and go, Zillow said my house could sell for, and right. I'm going, oh dear, no, we're not even close. So I, I just look at them and I go, and what does Zillow think of your granite countertops? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so Zillow's never been to your house. Right. They've never seen the landscaping. They didn't know you put a pool in. They didn't know you remodeled the bathrooms. Or 
They don't know you've lived there for 30 years and done nothing. And haven't done right. You still have four <laughs> mica tops on your bathroom. On your- <laughs> <laughs> So it's an average. So I tell people, you know what? It's a great place to start. Right. You're in the ballpark. Right. But you know, if you're going to put an accurate value on something, you've got to be there and take a look at it. Right. <laughs> right. There's so many things. I mean, selling a home is such a big deal and buying a home is really a big deal, especially for, you know, first time buyers. And uh, there's just mm-hmm. so many things to worry about. Uh, we originally, the very first time we ever sold a house, I just didn't feel like we had the right realtor. We were suggested that we do certain painting and things that we did, but I don't think it helped the sale. And this realtor, again, was met the same way, where it's like, oh, I really like her. Let's go with her. <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah. And <laughs> it turns out that this person was lazy, in my opinion. And it discouraged us from having open houses. So hmm. during when the when the listing was winding down and we didn't get a sale, didn't get an offer, I went with a guy who I thought sounded like he really knew what he was doing, and he started doing open houses, and it really didn't take long to sell once he did the right method of selling. Mm-hmm. And like this first person said, I don't think open houses are good because all you get are your neighbors. Well, it turned out that the buyers for our house was best friends with a neighbor down the street that did come look at it for their benefit. So Imagine that. It's like, so anyway, <laughs> yes, I, I do know what it's like to have the wrong realtor. So Harold, something, something I tell my clients is my goal isn't to sell your house. Anybody can sell your house. You underprice it. My goal is to get you top dollar for your house. If I want to get you top dollar, I need to look for your buyer everywhere possible. And people go, I don't want my neighbors snooping. I'm like, you know what? Your neighbors might know someone because they love the neighborhood and they probably have friends that have said, if you ever see a house for sale and if there's a slim chance I'll get one buyer from the neighborhood, I'm going to go after them. Right. Because if I can get you more than one buyer, I know I can get you a better price. See, any agent that says they don't do something, just keep listening. Right. You want someone who will do it all. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, do you believe in the power? I mean, not for everything, but mm-hmm. you do believe in the power of open houses, don't you? Or do Absolutely. You? Yeah. They seem to be I the wish best we could way. do them. Yeah. I used, oh, that's right. We got a problem with the virus. Can't do it now, but oh, when I didn't we even could, realize that. I would actually send out, I would, I would, I'm a runner. So I would run postcards to the neighborhood asking the neighbors, I'm doing a special open house just for the neighborhood. Oh. Come and see the house. Because a lot of times neighbors don't want to be nosy. They don't want to be seen as nosy. But if they get invited, they feel good about Oh, yeah, you were invited too. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Got to get them there. Now, where did you you learn all these tricks? Just by doing it for a long time, you learn them all? Or did, did you have like a mentor that helped you get started in all this? Or I, so over the course of 20 years, you just, I'm, I'm, I'm a processor. So I, I'm constantly thinking about real estate, how I can do things different, how I can do things better. And I, what, one of the things I do is I, I door knock neighborhoods, or I used to. I like meeting the people, and I like people to know why I'm there. And I always provide something of value. And when I, when I go to sell a property, I think about, What's going to bring me that buyer who really isn't looking, but if they saw the house, they'd be excited and want it. So I'm looking for that rare buyer as well as the buyer that has been looking for months because I both want them both to come to the table at the same time. So I'm just, just always thinking about what I could do better, what I could be more progressive on, and I seek out that one more buyer. It's just it's just the way I the way I function the way I think. Wow! So I just keep adding to my to my repertoire of 
how I find a buyer. Right. And you probably find a lot of listings by knowing all these people that you introduce yourself to. Well, you, you said something. You said that one of the buyers that you, or one of the agents that you worked with, you liked her. And that is a very important element. You're going to be working with your real estate agent for, oh, maybe six months. Right. I start working with my sellers when they start thinking about selling. So what improvements are going to work? What aren't? What can they start packing? What do they not pack? Um, what do they clean up? What flowers do they plant? And so we get started in advance. You want someone that you enjoy talking to, someone you enjoy meeting with, and you want someone that you trust. And it's really hard to trust someone that you've just seen in an ad, talked to over the phone. And so meeting people for me is like really important. And so that's what I, that's what I do. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> One thing that I thought about when the fact that you have 20 years with all these listings and all these sales experience, when the market gets hot, don't you see over the years, you see a bunch of people jump in and become realtors, but they don't really last that long because they're not really committed to it as a 20-year endeavor? Yeah, you you do see that a lot. And I mean, you, you, you can't blame people because... You got to start looks, somewhere. Well, and it looks fun. I mean, it yeah. looks so much fun, you know. Um, I'm not going to go into the fun because there's parts of it that there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of behind the desk work. Um, the proportionate amount of time that you spend with people is it's, it weighs very heavy on the paper side um, or computer side, technology side. But when you think about Chico, and we'll get right back to that thought after the break. So okay. we'll be right back with Becky Williams. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Cultivating a strong marriage cannot be rushed. It's not like popping a frozen meal into a microwave and producing a warm meal moments later. Tuesday, Chuck Swindoll reminds us that creating a healthy relationship takes time. Hear wisdom for your life and home, Tuesday on Insight for Living. This is Pastor Chris Kinson from Community Church of God in Chico. Recently, many businesses and churches have been allowed to open up because the rate of COVID-19 infections has dropped. Our church is now open and we will resume our regular schedule. Our Sunday service will now be at 11 a.m. We also have a midweek Bible study at the church on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and a ladies Bible study on Thursday mornings at our fellowship hall at 10 a.m. We have hand sanitizer and masks available. We also have a radio broadcast that can be heard every Sunday morning on KKXX at 10.30. It's called Your Message for Today, and we hope that you would listen in and enjoy the preaching and teaching on this broadcast. We'd also like to extend an invitation to you to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue, Chico, California. And may God richly bless you. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm talking with Becky Williams, the uh, realtor with Keller Williams Realty. She has her own team. They all specialize in what they do best, and that's just amazing. So off the air, we were discussing the fact that 
When I mentioned that a lot of people go into realty during a hot realty market, uh, Becky pointed out that there's how many realtors are in this area right now? Over 600. And how many how homes are listed right at the moment? 110. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that means if they were all equal, which they probably aren't, <laughs> they they would all get uh, a fifth of a sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So why don't you, how about, maybe you could just tell us what we've, most of us and, and most of the audience has probably dealt with a realtor before either buying or selling. Mm-hmm. What's it like being the realtor? I mean, what's like the paperwork side? I mean, how do you handle that? Do you try to do it all at one time or do you just have to do it when it comes up or do you have like a, like a, like a, you know, a process? Do you try to organize things a certain way? So like you do, ten, like if you're working with 10 projects, mm-hmm. do you do all the paperwork like in the morning and then do your marketing in the afternoon? I mean, how do you handle all that? That's a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know how it can be. You can get overwhelmed if you don't do uh, one thing at a time. I, I just wondered what it's like for you because I know what it's like doing income taxes. <laughs> so, so when I started out doing real estate many years ago, um, they didn't have transaction coordinators. And now we have transaction coordinators, which is fabulous. Once we get a transaction into escrow, the transaction coordinator, she shuffles a lot of the paperwork. So I'll have it signed by my seller, and then she'll make sure that everything gets back in the file correctly signed and T's crossed, I's dotted. Um, and she'll let me know if anything's missing. Um, but I used to do everything, wow. everything. And just like you said, it's, it's a lot of tasks. Um, you think about getting a call, a new house came on the market, and your buyer has to go see it. You can't say, well, tomorrow I've got time between 5 and 6 p.m. Oh, no, they're not available then. They have to go at noon tomorrow. We already have something scheduled. So you've got to figure out what works for the buyer. And then you've got an escrow closing tomorrow, and you still have to do a walkthrough on it. And you have to make sure that all the repairs have been done. So you're trying to get that done. And then you have someone call you and they want to list their house and they want it on the market by the weekend. So you've got 30 tasks that have to be done before the weekend and it just starts snowballing. Right. So when, when I started doing more real estate as in number of transactions, I realized I wanted to keep the same professionalism and the same high level of service as I did with my lower transactions. So I started hiring. Now I can do one task at a time. <laughs> right. <laughs> now it's so, doable. <laughs> right. So now it's doable. <laughs> I've got, I've got an operations manager that just makes sure we are all running efficiently. And that's everything from marketing to um, IT making sure the computers are doing what they're supposed to do. The platforms are working correctly. The Wi-Fi is hooked up and running efficiently. Then I've got a listing manager. I go out, I meet with my clients. I take the listing appointment. My listing appointments are long, and I'm not going to tell you how long, but my listing appointments are long. I meet with my clients, and I make sure all of my paperwork is ready for escrow so that by the time we get to escrow, my seller can get to packing. They don't have to be going back and forth, making sure everything is signed and filled out. Because there are there are some forms that have a lot of tiny check boxes. I I hate those <laughs> things. <laughs> you have to be so honest. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> I advise you on that too. No, the I times, know. Right? I I can just tell by the questions they ask. We better be honest you about better. this. <laughs> right. The more you disclose, the better. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, like have you painted over anything in the last week? <laughs> yep. And here's here's the thing. You may have painted the ceiling in your bathroom, and there was no problem there. But the minute you sell your house and move out, that's where it's going to leak. <laughs> that's right? the Murphy's Law. <laughs> right. And if you didn't disclose that you painted the ceiling, 
the buyer could accuse you of covering something up. But because you disclosed it, you painted the ceiling, it's up to them to go, okay, let's make sure that there's no watermarks in the attic. Right. Let's make sure we have a whole house inspector make sure that they weren't covering up a problem. Their, their antenna are just alert for what could possibly right. be. So you're protected. Right. No, you weren't covering anything up. You're just painting the ceiling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So back to how do I do all these different tasks? Now that I'm doing close to 50 transactions, <laughs> I have people that specialize in managing certain parts of the transactions. So I'm always available to do the tasks that I do. Now, that person, like the coordinator, uh, transaction coordinator, that person works for you and some other agents. Is that right? I mean, or do you have one that's exclusively for you? I have, I have someone that manages my transactions. Um, my buyer's agents also have a transaction coordinator that they prefer to work with. Oh, okay. So, and, and that's all she does. Oh, wow. Is she just does transaction coordinating. And it's... Like I said, it's it's a lot of paper shuffling, which is just kind of mindless tasks that have to be checked off. Right. And it's good to have somebody do that because that's not that's not our expertise. Our expertise is working with our client and ensuring that it's a smooth transaction every step of the way and that they're getting the best deal when they either sell or purchase a home. Right. So yeah, it's it, it's a it's a lot of tasks for an agent, and I think that's where new agents really get overwhelmed. They had no idea that there was that much the, paper, right? Like a hundred pages for each transaction, or a a lot of paperwork, but also a lot of tasks. Like you can be working on your emails, and you forgot that you have texts coming in, or maybe you've got instant messages coming in. And then you've got the phone ringing and, oh, there's a voicemail that you overlooked. That alone is a job. Right. No, I know. So. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> I'd be worse for a realtor, I think. But no, that-, that Where is, do I start? Yeah. <laughs> That's just amazing how much- we're, Oh, I'll bet you like the whole world of DocuSign, don't you? That's my best friend. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I noticed that because I was thinking if you had all those transactions and you had to have physically- People come oh. in and sign with a pen. That would take half your day away just doing that. Used to. Yeah. Used to. So things are better with, with the technology. It's it's really better with DocuSign, but there's still a time when I like to sit down with my client. When, when we're in that negotiating process, you want to sit down with a client and go over every sentence. Right. You don't want to just send emails back and forth. That's not the job. No. Yeah. No. Wow. So uh, do you see lately prices have been rising or just less homes for sale? I mean, or does that always happen together? That pretty much happens together. Right. It's it's supply pretty, and demand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, I do see if a house is overpriced, like somebody's like, oh, let's just try this price. And if yeah. I can get it, I'll move. It sits. Right. It just sits. So I mean, it still needs to be the right price. It still needs to be the right price. I had I had one house I knew was overpriced, but my seller was like, I'm not moving if I can't get the price. Hmm. I said, well, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Inventory is yeah. low. Right. We couldn't get anybody to look at it. Because the price scared them <laughs> so- from the start. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty scary in this market. We've got low inventory and nobody was even looking. Yeah, that tells like, you something about the price. <laughs> right? That's your first clue. <laughs> well, at least it was the uh, seller's decision, not yours. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that, that's yeah. fine. You still get some it's buyers a- that call you and you find them something that they are interested in. Right. So. Right. Probably a, among your listings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have a lot of them. That's another advantage to working with someone like Becky. She's, if you don't, if, if you're not interested in the first house you look at, she might have one better for you. And I might know about one that's coming. Right, right. <laughs> and one in the, in the hopper. So, yeah. yeah, no, there's nothing like experience to uh, make everything, you know, just work a lot better. I've yeah. been doing taxes for 40 years. You got me beat. Well, 
<laughs> it's taxes. It's not. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about that, I mean, I've been doing it so long that I've almost seen everything. I There's always something yeah. new. But even, you know, and that's like you. You've been doing so many transactions for so many years that if somebody comes up with a quirk or a little problem, you've probably seen it before. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, you know what to look for. Like you just, right, right now we're going through a phase where we've got out-of-town lenders. Buyers are going online and they're finding a lender with, I'm not going to name names, with online companies. Right. And one of the problems we have with that is they, they're having a hard time getting an appraiser to get out to the property in time. Because they use some network and they yes. only have so many? Yes. Wow. And they don't have, there's, there's an arm's length transaction that has to take place between an appraiser and the lender and the client. But you can imagine if, if an appraiser goes, oh, so-and-so is doing this one, but like, they'll be more likely to take it than if it's someone they don't know. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, even when you have a transaction where everybody's ready to go, you can't do it until that appraisal gets done and the bank does their approval process. And Appraisers are overwhelmed right now because everybody's refinanced. Right. And so they're cherry picking the easy appraisers, right. appraisals. Right. And so if, if you've got a property that's a little bit unique, they're going to have to spend extra time on it and they don't make extra money. <laughs> Well, we're coming up on that last break. We're going to be back with some more. I've got a lot of interesting questions for Becky, so we're going to do it some more. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back. Legends of a Flood? This is Ken Ham inviting you to have an encounter with God's Word at the Ark Encounter. Listen to this story from Western Australia. A man and his family survive a worldwide flood on a raft. He then sends birds to see if the waters have receded. The man then cooks a kangaroo. Their God, pleased by the smell, puts a rainbow in the sky to stop the rain clouds. Now, did that sound vaguely familiar? It probably did. This Australian Aboriginal legend sounds like a distorted version of the true account of Noah's Flood recorded in Genesis. Just like the children's game Telephone, it was changed with each generation. These flood legends, found around the world in different cultures, are a tremendous confirmation the Bible's truth. Get more answers when you visit AnswersRadio.com and plan your visit to the Ark Encounter for our special free Christmas time program when you go to AnswersRadio.com. What's in your radio? What's in your radio? What's in your radio goes into your ears, into your head, into your heart. What's in your radio goes, goes, into, goes into your life. What's in your radio when you listen to our station? Good stuff. The stuff you want. Going first into your ears, then to your mind, then to your heart. Radio you want in your life. Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're talking with Becky Williams, the realtor today, and she's just a fountain of knowledge when it comes to realty, and I'm always curious about how all these things really work. So when you say you have a team, you have a team of agents, but you have um, people helping with the transaction work. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about them, the the behind-the-scenes one that we might not meet. That you might not meet. Yeah. Um, well, the, if you're buying a house, you're going to work with the buyer's agents and you'll meet them, of course. And I personally train them. So I make sure that they're up to the standard that I hold for myself as much as possible anyway. Um, 
But the same goes for my operations manager and my listing manager. Um, both of them are licensed real estate agents, so they're very knowledgeable. Uh, and I'm proud to say both of them have served their country. Oh. So they have military background and the work ethic and the integrity is what I was looking for. Wow. Um, I have the utmost respect for anyone that has served our country and to be able to employ someone that has done that has really been an honor. Um, I'm really, really proud of my team. They, <laughs> they have work hours, but every once in a while I catch them working late at night or early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you catch in, them. <laughs> in, in spite of themselves. Right. <laughs> they're just very thorough. That's great. And they're licensed also, so they have to do all the continuing ed and the whole yes, bit. Yes, they are licensed real estate agents. So they have a fiduciary duty to my clients just like I do, wow. which is very high. Right, that protects the clients. Yes. Big time. Yes, so they're not just getting a secretary answering a question. Right, yeah, and, and you know, they, they defer to me if it's something they don't have experience in, but um, I feel comfortable knowing that they have that license behind them. That's really great. And now, as far as the, I was just thinking about the current events side, we talked a little bit earlier off the air, but people that are doing refinances they may also be dealing with the deferment of some payments. Is that something that uh, has come up with where the banks have, it's been okay to miss? Is there a certain limit they can miss? I mean, I, you might not know every little crossed I and dotted T. And dotted or, T. Um, I don't. But I, every, every situation is going to be different. Um, from the individual that's taking advantage of it to the institution that's offering the forbearance. Right. Uh, so forbearance is where they, they're they allowed to miss payments without a penalty mm -hmm. and for a certain period. It might be a month. It might be six months. But at the end of that period, that you've got to decide, are you going to bring that period current? So let's say you miss three months. You could you could have to make up that three months of payment that you missed. More commonly, though, that three months is tacked on to the end of the mortgage period, which is typically 30 years. Right. The, the problem that you might have is, have is if you decide to refinance and take advantage of the interest rates right now, either you have to bring current those three months, which unless you've been saving those payments, it could be very difficult. Right. And if you had saved it, you might have just paid them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Um, or you have to make several payments in order to qualify to get a loan. So it might take you a few months to even get into the loan process. Yes. Wow. Because you, you can understand a lender's hesitancy at the risk of giving someone a loan who hasn't been making payments. Right. For Obviously, that's like, right. Whoa, we kind of need to see wow. someone who's, who's a, who will be accountable to their mortgage payments. Right. So then you, you have to wait that period. And I think it's worked out so far because our interest rates have stayed low. Mm -hmm. But I think it surprised some people because they, they thought, oh, I just never have to make those. Right. Well, it, it's not a gift. <laughs> <laughs> right. They didn't say There's, you never had to pay it. Yeah, no ribbon on that one. <laughs> right. Now, isn't it the case that things got tighter on the lenders since the 08 crisis with the financial crisis? Didn't they make it harder for lenders? I mean, aren't lenders a little stricter as far as who qualifies for a home loan? Or I mean, have you seen a lot of people getting turned down lately? Or, I mean, of course, it depends on each individual case, but I mean, do you see it mm. being tougher for people to get home loans or is it kind of the way it's been? I, that, I experienced that like right, right after we had the crash. 
Um, but now I'm even seeing people qualify with very, less than you would. Th- I mean, easier than you would down. think. Three wow. percent. Wow. So, so that kind of sounds like a repeat of '06, doesn't it? I no, I wouldn't say that. It's not as prevalent. Okay. It's not as prevalent, and so here's here's where I go. I'm not a lender. Right. It's not my specialty. Right. I'm not doing loans every day. And quite the opposite. I'm on the seller's side, so I'm not helping them get pre-qualified. Right. You're helping them get their loans paid off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that I was just thinking in in the terms of, yeah, the, the buyers are the ones that are always dealing with, you mm-hmm. know, how are we going to qualify? Mm-hmm. I just get concerned that when I was with all my tax clients, I remember a few and I was thinking that when they did it, I said, this is not going to end well. And turned out they <laughs> lost houses left and right because nobody should have lent these people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I mean, I'm not complicit, but I had to send a letter saying this man is self-employed mm-hmm. and he reports his income on Schedule C. Mm-hmm. But they didn't ask me how much income because they'd already seen the tax returns. Mm-hmm. So I knew yeah. there was problems back then and, you know, it did kind of blow up and uh yeah so hopefully everybody's a little more you know yeah i I have to say i'm not seeing that regularly okay well that's good yeah i rarely trying to think the last time i had a transaction fallout because someone had problems qualifying i just i can't remember the last time that happened now do you have a preference now you you you're the you kind of specialize as a listing agent and getting the best price. Do you have a preference for the amount of the selling price? I mean, do you do you like selling seven or eight hundred thousand dollar homes, or do you find it easier or more fun to sell four hundreds? It used to be three hundreds <laughs> to the to the new buyer. I mean, you're the listing agent. Mm-hmm. What do you prefer? And, you know, regardless of the fact that obviously the commission's higher on a $900,000 home. Mm -hmm. But what do you prefer working with? I just wondered. I'll start out by saying I sell condos to mansions. Okay, so you go through the whole range. I do the whole thing. And, you know, there's there's fun in all of it, quite honestly. Um, A lower-end property, it will sell much quicker, typically. Mm -hmm. And... It's it's often less work. Um, I, I know some of our agents, they're selling a lot of vacant lots. And what happens a lot of time on vacant lots is they double-end them. Because someone's driving looking for land and they call on the sign. And you never have to be at that lot except once because there's no inspections. Right, it's just land. It's just land. I mean, sometimes there's a septic system that's got to be looked at to so make they sure. contact the owner and they end up listing and having the buyer that's what you mean by the yeah. double in double yeah. in it yeah wow because it's <clears throat> it's just it's it, it's a small sale and there's less involved but interestingly enough i'll throw this in here land is one of the most litigious transactions oh more it, than a house because there's less checking going on is that it no because there's more unknowns so someone buys a piece of land and goes, oh, I'm going to have horses here and I'm going to build a stable and I'm going to have a house. And they never talk to their agent about that. It's like, yeah, we want to buy this land. Oh, right. And, and they, they think get they it. can do this, that, and the other, and they can't. Oh, and the land doesn't perk. So now I have to do an engineered septic system and that's going to cost me more. And drilling the well is going to be so much deeper than I thought. And that's going to cost me more. And it goes on and on. Right. More things they need to find out in advance, which they probably don't always do. So if you're buying land, know what you want to do with it and search it out. Make sure you go to the county, go to the city, tell them exactly what you want to do and make sure you can do it. Now, doesn't the land also have a standard higher commission rate of the norm? I've heard 10% thrown around with land. It depends on the price of land. Um, if the price of land is under 100000 that would be more typical. Mm-hmm. Um, if the price of land is two hundred thousand, which is you're going to have acreage, then right, then then you'd probably go with a standard six percent, right. right? Um, but it's 
I would I would say it varies. Some sometimes it's just it's a straight um it's a straight price for it. Like it's three thousand dollars. Right. You know, instead right, of a just commission. Just a flat price, yeah. Yeah. Now I also have since you're a realtor and you may not know exactly the answer to this, but you might. When I see these uh shows like million dollar listings and they're selling forty million dollar townhouses in Manhattan. And the girls are wearing really, really high heels. And they have parties thrown <laughs> for the open house and all that. What kind of commission percentage do you think get negotiated on a sale like that? I mean, obviously for the seller, it's just like your clients. If they know they can get the top dollar, they don't want to squeeze the realtor on a percentage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe those are still five and six normal percent types, do you think? I was just curious. Um. I mean, you might not really know that like a New York deal, but. I certainly don't know New York and I, I don't know L.A., but I I do know that when you have a high-end property like that. Like 40 million bucks. I mean, 6% of that is $2.5 million. I I would love to do that deal one day, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. that's, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, I have found personally, I'll talk about what I do know. Um, when I list a million dollar home or more, or even close to it, the amount of detail that goes into marketing that home, um, the cost of advertising for that home can be so much higher and it can take a lot longer. Right. I, I had a property last year and this happens sometimes, but a property last year that I st- Started out, the sellers wanted to get 1.6 for it. I felt like it was high, but I knew they had that in it. There was acreage and there was a beautiful home less than 10 years old. So I was like, let's see. I'll do my marketing. We'll reach people in the Bay Area. I reach people around the world, but um, let's see what happens. And after a period of time, they realized that it wasn't realistic. Like we weren't getting people even curious mm-hmm. that were raising their hand anyway. We eventually sold it. I'm sorry. We eventually got it in escrow. And just prior to closing a year and a half later, they decided they didn't want to leave Chico. Wow. And I was able to get them out of the transaction because there was a loophole. Mm. <laughs> It's always nice to have an out. <laughs> there was there was a small window of opportunity and we right. took it. So there I was for a year and a half marketing a property that I never got paid on. Right. But I developed a customer relation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll refer me the people they know. I did a great job for them. Right. And they were nice people. Right. I mean, it was just a pleasant experience. Yeah. I'll make my money someplace else. That's right. But it's typically more expensive. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. finding those kind of buyers in Chico. You've got to go out of the area mainly yeah. normally. Yeah. So we're coming up on the end of the show. I wanted to make sure to get uh, Becky's uh, contact because if you're in the market for a uh, real top-notch realtor with a lot of experience, you'd probably like her and she'd probably do a great job. But uh, her number is 530-636-0936. And um, you'll do a great job. Thanks for joining us on Business Buzz. Thanks, Becky. Thank you, Harold. Appreciate you having me. No problem. That was a lot of fun. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. 
The Trump campaign's taking issue with Attorney General William Barr's statement on election fraud. Barr told the AP that the Justice Department has found no evidence of voter fraud that would change the outcome of the 2020 election. However, in a written statement, President Trump's legal team says, with all due respect to the Attorney General, there hasn't been any semblance of a Department of Justice investigation. The campaign says it has gathered ample evidence of illegal voting in at least six states, and it says it will continue its legal challenges through the judicial system and state legislatures. That's White House correspondent Greg Clugston. Today, the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, has been designated as Giving Tuesday. When people around the world donate to nonprofit and charitable organizations, sharing the blessings they have with others. This year, the Salem Radio Network parent company of Town Hall News has adopted the nonprofit Prison Fellowship, whose Angels Tree program helps children with a mom or dad in prison. Donors make it possible for these children to receive a Christmas present, a Bible, and a personalized note from their incarcerated parent in the belief that kids should not be punished for the misdeeds of a parent. More information is available on the website angeltree.org forward slash Kirk. CDC scientists say that coronavirus was present in U.S. earlier than initially thought. The coronavirus was in the U.S. as early as mid-December 2019, a period earlier than officially identified in either China or the U.S., according to new research from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The study, published Monday, found evidence of the virus in 106 of 7,389 blood donations to the Red Cross in nine states. These donations were collected between December 13, 2019 and January 17, 2020, with the Red Cross later submitting them to the CDC to test for antibodies. Bernie Bennett in Washington. On Wall Street, the Dow by 185 points. More at townhall.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to